Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. We are here in our last week of our Heaven on Earth series. Can you believe it? We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew from chapters 5 to 7. And if you're just joining us now, that's okay. If you've missed out on any of the past weeks, don't worry. This message is still for you. It stands on its own. We've covered a lot of ground in the last seven weeks. The Beatitudes, we've talked about murder and adultery, divorce, eye for an eye, loving your enemies, giving to the poor, giving to the needy, uh, prayer and fasting, treasures in heaven, not worrying. Come on, anyone? Judging others, prayer, true and false prophets and teachers, Pastor Lucas last week. And now we find ourselves at the point where Jesus is landing the plane on this epic sermon. And you can follow along with me in the Bible. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Maybe you have your Bible on your app. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you, Jesus, for your words today. When I was assigned this passage a few months ago, I began to read through it a bunch of times and for some reason... I could not get the story of the three little pigs out of my mind when I read it. You're probably familiar with this story. If you're not, I'm going to quickly tell it. And if there's any like English majors in here or parents who are really experienced, I may not do it justice, but I'm going to try my best. Okay, here we go. Three little pigs. Three little pigs were kicked out of their mother's house and off to make a life for themselves. And the first pig found himself to be a little bit lazy, okay? He built his house out of what he could find in front of him. There was a bunch of straw. The second pig was a little less lazy. He went around and picked up a few twigs and started making a house out of sticks. And once the two quickly fashioned their ramshackle houses, they went together to go dance and play like you would after you're done building a house. But the third little pig, he spent way more time and he actually chose to build his house with bricks and a bit of mortar And you know, he didn't get any chance to dance and to play. Well, we fast forward to the next day, and the big, bad wolf is walking down the road. He's hungry. He's looking for a nice side of bacon to eat. And he stops at the first piggy's house, and he knocks on the door. Little pig, little pig, let me in, let me in. And the little pig replies, no, no, no. And you probably know this part. Not by the hair on my chinny chin chin, right? And the big bad wolf says, well, then I'll huff and I'll puff 
and I'll blow your house down. And so he does it. He huffs and he puffs and he blows his house down. And the little pig gets, he escapes and actually makes it off to his other brother's house, the house that was built with the sticks. And he knocks and the big bad wolf comes and he knocks on the door again. Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. And they say it again. No, no, no. Not by the hairs on our chinny chin chins. And the big bad wolf says, well, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I will blow your house down. He takes a deep breath and he blows that house of sticks right down. The sticks fall and the little pigs run off to their bigger brother's house. The one who built his house with the bricks. And the wolf continues down the road once again. You know what's going to happen. He knocks on that door. Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. And they reply, no, 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 not by the hairs of our chinny chin chin. So he huffs, or he says, sorry, I skipped a part. Then he says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. So he huffs and he puffs and he huffs and he puffs and he huffs and he puffs, but he can't blow it down. The story continues on and eventually the pigs win the day and end up eating the wolf for supper. But I'll let you finish that story on your own, okay? Whoever said that these stories were for kids, right? You know, nursery rhymes and bedtime stories are nice, but a, and a lot of them even have a moral to teach us. And you're probably wondering, like, where are you getting at, Chris? Like, why are you telling us this story? I think there's a danger for us here. Sometimes we read the Bible as if it's a set of nursery rhymes or bedtime stories. We may think that the Bible has a nice moral point and for some of us, that's as far as it goes, or we may not even pay attention to the Bible at all. But in our passage today, Jesus is warning his listeners to build a firm foundation. He's telling us two stories. He's comparing a couple of home builders. It's not just a nice moral story. It's a warning to us that there's actually a wise way that we can build our lives. He's not warning us because we're bad people or we're in trouble. He's warning us because he loves us and he wants us to live full, abundant lives. He wants us to be able to live with faith and with hope. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message today is Check Your Foundation. Check Your Foundation. My prayer for you this morning is that you would be encouraged that you would leave this place with a greater sense of his peace in the midst of life's many troubles. Because when we decide to follow Jesus, there's an unshakable foundation available for each one of us to build our lives on. And as we read this passage today, Jesus is asking us an important question, a very fundamental question, really. Are you building the foundation of your life on the rock or on the sand? Because those who build their house on the rock will withstand the rain and the rising streams and the wind. And those who build their house on the sand will be met with a great crash when their house is decimated by the rain and the rising streams and the wind. Take a second. Take a second to reflect on this past few seasons of our lives. My guess is that it's not very hard to remember the times when trouble has actually come to your home. You can remember when the rains have come and when the streams have risen. Let's be real, for some in BC, the streams literally rose, right? And as you felt the wind constantly beating against your house, hit after hit, 
Maybe there's been people we love that have become sick. Maybe you've lost your job or your business. There's been marital stress or shifting relationships with your kids. Many of us have been overcome by vices and sin has taken a hold of some of us. There's been increasing uncertainty in our world right now around us. Whatever it may be, the seasons have tested the very foundation of our lives. And Jesus is reminding you, and he's reminding me today, for us to check our foundation. Check our foundation. Is your foundation built on the rock or is it built on the sand? And maybe you're hearing this message today. You suddenly feel a wave of guilt rush over you because your foundation may not be as secure as you want it to be. I want, you to, I want to acknowledge that this isn't an easy thing to hear. But you need to know that the Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Jesus actually sees you and your situation and he loves you. There's hope here for you today, no matter what your foundation looks like. We find our hope in Jesus. In him, we find freedom from the things that are holding us down. In him, we find a firm, faithful, unshakable foundation. And over the next few moments, my friends, I want to talk about how we can build our lives on that foundation. Do you want to have that, what we just sang about, a peace that makes no sense? I want that. Build your foundation on Christ. I want to share three tips for wise builders today. Three tips for building a firm foundation in your life. The first tip is this. Wise builders follow the blueprint. Wise builders follow the blueprint. They hear and practice the words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. A wise builder not only hears Jesus' words, but they put them into practice. Jesus is concluding his teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. He's summarizing all of the teaching and all these previous topics by saying, a wise person not only hears all of this, but they actually do it. It's one thing to hear what he says. The important part is that we would actually start to do what he says. I don't know about you, but I've been known to have a bit of a selective hearing problem once in a while. You could ask my wife Kirsten about it. I'm sure she would tell you exactly all those times. Like when she says like, honey, can you do those dishes? And I say, what, sorry, what do you say? You know, sometimes when Christians hear the words and commands of Jesus, it's easy to have selective hearing. I've been guilty of this myself before. It's like we think to ourselves, oh Jesus, that command was definitely written for someone else. We hear Matthew 6 and we think, oh Jesus, you said don't worry, but it's different this time. This situation actually calls for a bit of worry. Anyone? Come on. It's easier to pretend that we didn't hear his commands or pick and choose the ones that fit us for that moment. But Jesus is saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder. You might be thinking right now, okay, Chris, how is it possible for me to put this whole Sermon on the Mount into practice? It seems like an impossible task to live it all out at once. You saw that list, right? It's so many things to follow, so many things to keep in order. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that he doesn't expect us to be perfect. 
Don't think that you have to have everything in order to follow Jesus. Let nothing come between you and setting a firm foundation in your life. Notice what Jesus didn't say in this passage. He didn't say, guys, you better do all these things or else. Or if you do these things, I'll love you. No, he didn't say that. He also didn't say, practice makes perfect. Maybe you've heard that before, right? Practice makes perfect. He's not sitting on the sidelines of our lives with a clipboard meticulously checking off all of our right and wrong actions. With this passage, he's saying to us, it's up to you. You can choose to hear my words and put them into practice. And when the storms of life come, your foundation won't crumble. Your faith will be secure. You won't be filled with worry or fear. And you'll have peace because you build a firm foundation on me. The truth is, is that no one can build this foundation for you. Not me, not your parents or your spouse or your best friend. Just like the three little pigs, you can build a quick ramshackle house and have lots of time to play, or you can take the time to actually build your home on a firm foundation. The Sermon on the Mount was never about Jesus placing an unbearable weight upon our shoulders. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus calling us into a close, deep relationship with him. He's setting a high bar for the way that we live. But here's the good part. We're actually meant to live it out with him. We're not the foundation. He is. This isn't basketball, and practice doesn't make us perfect. There's no amount of practicing that can save us from our sin or our shame, because only Jesus saves This is what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law couldn't understand. They thought that righteous living and personal piety would be their salvation. But Jesus challenged their ideas. He presented them with a different way. He said, don't build your life on good deeds. Build your life on me, the firm foundation. It isn't the practice that makes us perfect in God's eyes. It's Jesus' death and his resurrection that makes us perfect in his eyes. We simply follow his commands because we love him and we want to be in deeper relationship with him. I'm so thankful for his word. I'm so thankful for the Bible. Thankful that he left us a blueprint, a way for us to build our lives on a firm foundation because wise builders not only hear what Jesus has to say, they put his words into practice. Wise builders follow his blueprint to build a firm foundation and when the storms of life come, their house will still be standing. All right, that's the first tip to being a wise builder, following the blueprint. Hear and practice what Jesus says. The second tip for wise builders is to use the right materials. Don't be foolish. Use the right materials. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus continues his comparison between those who hear and practice and those who choose not to. Here we see an example of a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rain came and the streams rose and the wind beat against that house, it came, with a great, came down with a great crash. Jesus is saying to us, wise builders use the right materials to build their houses. And fools choose to build their foundation on the sand. Have you ever been called a fool? Man, 
That's tough language coming from Jesus. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want Jesus coming around and seeing me and seeing how I live and him being like, yep, that Chris guy, he's a fool. We don't want that to happen. So how do we become wise? It's my question. The Bible speaks a lot about wisdom. My definition for today is true true wisdom is the proper biblical Christ-like application of knowledge. I'll say it one more time. True wisdom is the proper, biblical, Christ-like application of knowledge. So how do we get wisdom? Proverbs chapter 4 says it like this in verses 7 to 9. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. The beginning of wisdom is the desire to become wise. Wisdom will lift you up. Wisdom will bring you honor. Wisdom is a glorious crown. Another version of this passage says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. I love that. You have to want wisdom. James 1 verse 5 in the New Testament says it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What an amazing promise. If you don't have wisdom, God will actually give it to you. He desires that for your life. No strings attached. No public shaming involved. So for us, I think the question really becomes, do you want to have wisdom? If wisdom's so easy to come by, why are there so many foolish people around? Not you guys, of course. Okay? (laughs) It's one thing to know the truth. It's really another thing to live it out. We have been conditioned by our culture to build the foundation of our lives on pretty much everything other than Christ. The truth is, there are a lot of things you can build your foundation on. There are a lot of different materials. Some people, they choose money. If I can just earn enough... I'll be secure. Or marriage, if I can just love enough, I'll be secure. Success says if I'm important enough, I'll be secure. Even knowledge, if I research, if I know enough, I will be secure. I could go on and on. People choose to build their lives on all different kinds of things. But this is where that old hymn that we sang earlier rings so true. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. Well, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) But get this. Everything other than Christ that we would build our life on is sinking sand. You can build your life on money or relationships, or your career, but all of those things are sinking sand. We must, we have to choose our materials wisely. They will determine if our house can withstand the storms. Think about it this way. Maybe you're at home, you're curled up in a warm blanket, you're watching your favorite show on Netflix, okay? You aren't thinking about the foundation of your house at that time. You feel the warmth and security of that blanket. It's safe, right? But if you knew that the foundation of your house at that moment was cracked, and that any moment a storm could come and topple your entire house, you would live in constant fear. 
Nothing would be safe anymore. And you'd suddenly be asking, can I move in with you, Pastor Nilo? Right? What's a few more kids? Come on. (laughs) True security. True security is a house built on Jesus Christ, on the solid rock. And if we go back to our passage, did you notice that no matter if you're a wise or a foolish builder, the storm still comes? The rain in your life will eventually come. The streams will rise around us and the wind will batter our homes. The circumstances of life will try to huff and puff and blow your house down. The question is, were you wise enough to build your house on Christ? My friends, it's not too late. It's never too late. Remember, the beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom. Invite Christ into your day-to-day life and see his power become powerful in your life. Spend time in the Bible hearing from him. Spend time speaking to him in prayer, not just to gain things, but just to be with Jesus. You know, I was doing some counting the other day. I do that sometimes. And I realized that I've been a Christian for about 25 years now, and that makes me feel old. I'm sure it makes my grandma feel old too. (laughs) Love you, grandma. I've been in pastoral ministry for just over a decade now. And do you know what I recently realized about my walk over the past few years? I actually have to choose to be in relationship with Jesus every day. It's a conscious choice to involve Christ in my day-to-day life. Nobody is going to do it for me. I actually have to make the time to read my Bible. For a long time, I was coasting. I did the church thing. I did the 21 days of prayer and fasting thing, but I never really dug into the building a firm foundation thing. And over time, the Spirit of God spoke to me and worked in me and and spoke to me saying, you have to put me first. You have to prioritize your relationship with me. But I had to want it. I had to want to hear from Jesus. I had to want to put his words into practice. And I found out that it's so easy to live the Christian life without Jesus involved. Isn't that so sad? I don't want to do that anymore, friends. I want to build my life on the firm, unshakable foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise builder. You can choose. You choose the materials. There's no shortcuts when it comes to pouring a firm foundation. It takes effort, but I would hate to see any of your lives crumble when the storms of life come, and they will come. Wise builders use the right materials. Let's build our lives according to Jesus' words. Let's check our foundation. Okay, the third and final tip for wise builders is this. Get your foundation inspected. Follow the true authority. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. All throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks authoritatively. He's not just speaking ethically like a lot of rabbis at that time. He's saying that he's the Messiah that he alone knows the Father's will. 
He even goes so far as to say that his teaching fulfills the Old Testament. You've been hearing the Sermon on the Mount now for the past seven weeks, and you may have even studied it yourself or heard it before. And with that knowledge, I just have one more question for us when it comes to this section in our Bibles today. Who's the final authority in your life? Who do you listen to when it comes to it? Is it Jesus? I'm not saying, you know, you can't get advice from a good friend or a mentor. I'm not saying don't listen to our sermons or the words we're saying. What I'm saying is we are wise to use caution with who we let into our lives to have the authoritative word, the final say. Because if it's not Jesus, I can tell you you're on shaky ground. It might be time for us to actually have the foundation of our lives inspected. Because you might like watching the news, but the knowledge you gain from it can't save you. That blog you found online might sound true, but it won't give you a firm and lasting foundation. And self-help books, they're nice and everything, but they won't give you a lasting peace. Because if they did, we wouldn't need to keep buying more self-help books, right? But I want to know, what is Jesus saying to you in this moment? Because there are a lot of authorities in our world, but there's only really one that matters. That's Christ, the solid rock on which we stand. Let's follow the blueprint. Let's not just read the Sermon on the Mount. Let's practice what it says. Let's use the right materials. Let's choose to build our house on that rock. And through it all, let us submit our lives, what we've built, to be inspected by the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us and the one who wants us to live with his peace, surrounded by his love. See, King David, he wrote this psalm to God and in Psalm 139, he says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David was submitting his foundation to God. Check me. Know me, God. We choose how we respond to the words we hear today. So I encourage you, ask yourself the question, what is my life built on right now? Is it built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ or is it built on something else? Everything else is sinking sand. Let's take a moment. Would you close your eyes around this place? I want to speak this morning to the person who maybe feels like they're standing here and they see their house toppled in front of them. The storms of life actually may have come and taken something from you. And you need to know today that God sees you. He sees the house toppled in front of you. He sees each and every one of the pieces and he actually wants to come to you and help you rebuild this house. So Lord, we pray that you would search our hearts. Would you speak to us? Would you show us the true condition of the foundation we've built? And Lord Jesus, would you grant us your wisdom? Jesus, we want to be wise builders with firm foundations. So I pray a blessing on everyone who hears these words today. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to choose you today.
God, give us the strength to turn aside the sinking sand and rise up with you on a firm foundation. God, I pray for the person here who may be broken. Fill them with your love and your kindness today, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill them with your peace and your mercy and your grace today. We need you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness towards us. And we pray that you would help us to have a firm foundation built on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.